Morning everyone, Monday the 28th of March. We have Chris Conway back after a week of absence. He assures me that people have missed him. So welcome back, Chris. It's good to have you. And can you please give us the wrap of Friday night and the weekend? Thank you, everyone. Very nice to be back in the saddle. I will give you a wrap of what happened on Friday night, although it's somewhat largely irrelevant now. Dow was up 153 points. Spy futures closed up 33 points on Saturday morning. The market, last time I checked a few seconds ago, was up about 18 points. The reason why there is some disparity between what the Spy futures we're talking about and what the market is actually achieving is because of the news over the weekend that Biden had said that Putin quote unquote cannot remain in power and there was some reaction to those comments. The White House was very quick to say that the US is not seeking regime change with an anonymous US official saying the point Biden was trying to communicate although missed the mark was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbours or the region. So some clarification there and then European leaders met the comments with uh, a mix of admiration and rejection. So that has created some volatility this morning, an escalation of tensions, if you will, even if the White House has trialed to dial it back. And that's why we're seeing a market not perhaps not as aggressive as what the SPY futures were pointing to. Outside of that, there wasn't really all that much worth reporting. The nickel price is still on a yo-yo. US dollar was weaker against its major peers. The University of Michigan's consumer sentiment reading stayed close to an 11-year low and inflation expectations hit a 41 one year high. And then there was some Fed speak, President Williams saying that a 50 point move could be justified. And that follows a number of other Fed officials singing from the same hymn book over the last week or so. I did manage to see that whilst I was cooped up in a classroom for 16 of the 24 hours of a day at Melbourne Business School. Thank you, Chris. You've come back looking rather more intelligent. I definitely, I definitely feel not more intelligent. I feel heavy, but in a good way. So it was a great course, lots to learn, and hopefully we'll be seeing some things in the newsletter and in the Marcus Today business that move this thing forward. So it was good. Very exciting. Thank you, Chris. Thomas Wegner, what have you got for us today? Thank you, Ben. I'll try and keep this quick. We've got value outperforming growth, similar to the US session, miners, financials, and consumer staples outperforming. Tech, healthcare, consumer discretionary stocks, easing. We saw bond yields spike in the US, so those sectors getting weighed down by that. The Star Entertainment Group chief has stepped down in the midst of a review into the company's operations. Management changes in the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Carnarvon Energy looking to raise capital. St. Barbara has cut some production guidance. And that's about it. Nothing on the economic front. Not too much happening today. The budget is out tomorrow. So that's where the market will be focusing some of its attention. And we'll be looking to you for a full budget recap tomorrow, I think, Cannot, Tom. cannot wait. Me neither. That sounds, it's going to be You're so like, awesome. I should say the budget. I love the budget. Oh, very exciting, isn't it, Chris? It is. You You're going to be glued to your screen 7 p.m. on Tuesday so set night. the popcorn time at a 6.45, well, so it's you, ready. When you have a household and you have dependents, the budget actually matters. So you yeah, probably, probably will actually be paying attention to it, yeah. All right, thank you, Tom. Layton, anything interesting from the brokers to start the week? Thanks, Ben. Pretty quiet to get the week started. I've got Washington H. Sol Pattinson & Co. upgraded to add at Morgan's. And the target price comes down 16.8% though, but that's still 11% above the current share price. We've got Morgan Stanley has upgraded its near-term outlook for the mining sector and points to earnings support from inflation expectations, rising input costs and supply impacts. And they've increased targets for Rio, South32, Sandfire Resources and Whitehaven Coal. That's probably the most interesting one there. The target price is up 47% and given that 
that the share price is up 39.5% in the last month. That's still a pretty big increase there. And they've also got Premier Investments. Brokers were pleased with results. No big price moves. Morgan Stanley and City both neutral with target prices about 5% above the current share price. And Macquarie has an outperform rating with a target price 23% above the current share price. Just for future reference, mate, Solpats is the abbreviation for yeah, Washington H. Solpats. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, all right. You'll that, that stuff up. Say that fast five times over. <laughs> Thank you, Leighton. Uh, Henry is unable to join us this morning, but having a quick look at his stuff, he's having his normal Monday look. Has a little comment there on MGX, which he took profits on last week. Might be a little bit early with 70 cents in his eyeline. He's also got RED firing ahead of production, another one that he's looked at there. And having a deeper dive into GOR as an example of a company going from a constructor to a producer. And then we've also got a bonus on the couch coming from him later this week with Bernard Rowe from INR talking lithium processing and buckwheat. So plenty going on from Henry there. As always, very exciting stuff. And Chris, full circle back to you. What have you got in your return to the technical trade section today? I've got plenty going on this morning and I will soak up some of Henry's time in his absence. First things first, I was at Melbourne Business School last week as alluded to doing a general management course and I had a conversation with the school's professor of finance there. Her name is Nadia Masood, very, very talented, very intelligent and well-spoken lady on finance. And we had a great chat about cryptocurrencies and about blockchain. And she runs a course at Melbourne Uni. And funnily enough, she was telling the story that she pitched the course to the uh, faculty some four years ago. And then only once, I think it was once CBA decided they were going to do cryptos, that uh, they originally said no. And then the faculty came running to her saying, can you can you launch this course ASAP? Um, so yeah, incredibly bright. We had a great chat. I'm going to try with all my might to get her at the very least to come on a podcast and uh, hopefully I don't want to put the cart before the horse or let anything out of the bag but she might be able to write some articles for us about cryptocurrency and she spoke to me about it in terms of uh, yes it's a bit crazy and the market's a bit haywire but at the end of the day it's a payment system so think about when credit cards were launched in the 60s and when when they were launched I actually know this no one was interested in it. like why would I put anything on credit in the back in the day you just paid for stuff with the money that you had or you didn't buy it at all and now this new payment system has come along and it's all about how much market share can they get. And I think the UK this week or next week is going to be handing down some regulations on how they're going to regulate. But she said it's, I don't want to, I want to, I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically intimated to me that it's so big now that it can't fail and it's just a matter of how much market share this payment system is going to get. Yes, Ben? It's interesting you say that the UK is going to regulate and we saw it with the after, well, the buy now pay laters here and internationally the regulation comes and it's a bit of a scared, scared point of like, is this a big cause of concern but it's also a really big vote of confidence that it's a real thing because if it's not a real thing why would they bother all the process and time and money and energy that it takes to put regulation on things if it wasn't a real thing they wouldn't bother yeah exactly right so it's a bit of affirmation uh, at the very least anyway so yeah like I said the conversation I had with her was great Uh, hopefully we can get her to come on in some capacity and either share her thoughts on the podcast or or do something with us on the podcast on the podcast oh the other thing that 
that she said was that cryptocurrencies and blockchain in particular, they're so different to all of the straight down Main Street vanilla uh, vanilla investments that most Australians can make, that when you add them to a portfolio in the right amount, don't, don't get me wrong, you don't go and put half your portfolio in crypto, but you get significant diversification benefits, which you don't get from a lot of other assets. So that was the other thing that she said that I was just like, well, you're a professor of finance and you know this stuff and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Tom? There were a few articles earlier in the year that pointed out that diversification, yep. but it has what they highlighted was that it started to, or crypto and Bitcoin especially, started to correlate more with the market. So interesting point to bring up there. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, hopefully we can get her involved in some capacity. That would be a great, a great get. To my stuff, so just backing over the last week, all the positions have performed quite well. What does that say to me? It means I don't need to be here tinkering with stuff. Maybe there's a lesson in that for a few other people in the team. Uh, that is tongue-in-cheek, of course. I have focused on a little stock called Coronado Global this morning. It's a very similar looking chart to the New Farm chart, which is a position that we have open at the moment that is doing quite well. It has popped this morning. It's up 4%. There was someone in the Facebook group who uh, said thanks for the FF. X chart of the day, which was the last chart of the day that I left members with before going and doing the course, which has exploded from something like 83 or 84 cents was up towards five one. Finch? Five Finch, yeah. So it's up J- about 4% J-Cap this morning. had a long report out on that, which is... Uh... Well, J-Cap can send me the invoice because I was about a week ahead of them. Mm. <laughs> I don't have any friends at J-Cap, do you? I don't have any friends. In, no Good. one's friends with anyone at J-Cap. Good. So no, position's going quite well and uh, I'll look hopefully to take some profits later this week if they keep going and just a couple of little charts of the day that are doing quite well. So that is a wrap from me. Very good. Plenty of action there, Chris. Thank you. And Tom, what have you got in strategy today? So today, we're looking back at the last week, what happened, see how the market is tracking. We've got that key 7,400 level being breached. What to expect today and what to look out for in the week ahead is also highlighted. We've got the federal budget tomorrow, as I did say earlier, the headline event for the week, US jobs numbers and the Fed's preferred inflation measure will also be out this week. So those are the things to watch. What is that measure, Tom, for those playing at home? The PCE price index. Which is personal consumption. Expenditure. Thank you, Tom. Now, question of the day today is have you or would you invest in an IPO? Tom? Well, I've heard it said that the IPOs you want to get, you won't be offered, and the IPOs you are offered, you don't want. So I feel like that is the position I'm in until I have some more investment banker friends that want to throw me a bone. But that said, I I still think I'm not going to never say never. There could be an IPO for me out there in the future. Thank you, Tom. Chris? No, I never have. My father bought Boa Longyear which was an IPO from Macquarie back in the day. And I was at the foot of one of the mining booms. And the question was, why would you sell a drilling company, mining services drilling company, right when things were about to take off? And the answer was because Macquarie had extracted all the value from it that they could and were just selling the, not the carcass, but they were, you know, they'd done with it what they'd wanted to and they had got a premium for it. Uh, And dad bought it and proceeded to go from $2 to about two cents. So um, I witnessed that and that put a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, but I just wouldn't do it because I want to see 
say something less than then I want to see how the market responds to it. So I'm happy to miss something going from $2 to $4 and buy it then so that I can avoid buying it at $2 and going to $0.02, cents, which is what the experience was for my dad. I think there's a big difference between an IPO of a company that has been bought out by PE and then being IPO. Absolutely. Where they've, you know, the PE guys are just about the smartest guys in the room. They yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah. They've got the value they want out of it. And if they're offloading it, they're basically saying, you know, the, the upside here is limited to the point where we're happy to pass it on and yeah. chase other opportunities. Well, the best example of that was, uh, sorry to cut across, was the Dick Smith IPO, yes. where they bought it for 50, sold it for 700 or something like that, and proceeded to go bankrupt. So. Exactly. And that was, I can't <laughs> yeah. remember the name of the private equity um, company that did that off the top of my head, but they did yeah. that a few times yeah. where they bought something. At Tarted it up, yeah. Made five, the sales look yeah. really good. Exactly. And then hived it off. And that's, so. their, that's their job. So yeah. that, But that compared to a company that's organically grown to a point yeah. they need to raise more capital, they've done all the private capital raising yeah. rounds, and they've hit a point where they go, we need to raise a million dollars to do something. That's very different. Yeah. And I'll, I'll jump in my answer quickly here before Layden on the back of that is I would be very interested in getting involved in those kind of IPOs, not so much the PE ones. I've not done it yet, but it's, I think there's a great, great uh, opportunity to make some serious money in the right ones, but it is obviously very high risk. Yeah, the last one, just you're jogging my memory with that with that analysis, and I agree with it entirely. The last one that I was interested in was Beyond Meat. Yes. When that listed, because at the time I was not considering becoming a vegetarian, but I was certainly thinking about the impact of all the meat that we eat, not only on my digestive tract, but also on the environment. Uh, and I remember thinking, geez, if they nail that, and they, they had nailed the taste and flavor profile if they nail that that could be huge and i think it listed it or the share price was 60 or something like that was at 140 by the end of the first day so i didn't get a piece of it but that was probably the only one that i've looked at recently and thought oh that looks pretty tasty and they they timed their listing because it was on the back of the game changers documentary which the whole world watched and half the world and half the office went vegetarian for about two weeks (laughs) yeah marketing there isn't it yeah uh thank you all right and leighton last but not least i haven't actually invested in any ipos but i I received some shares as a special dividend in a battery tech company that was going IPO. Um, and I remember just on that, one of my professors at uni, I can't remember the exact percentages of it, but within the first, I think it was three days, most IPOs will go up. I think it's on average in Australia over 110%. And then within the first year, most of them will be down 50%. So that's... Everyone loves the hot yeah. new thing, don't they? <laughs> and the pricing behind IPOs is is meant to create that so when it says yeah. it's up 100 the listing price is not normally what the first trade price is because uh, to get the people invested to start with the brokers go around and they do put a discount in the price so think fair value is 100 you'll be able to buy into the IPO for 70 because they want the upside to get the money in and then normally it kind of finds itself jumping around a bit before it settles and just looking at the market before we close ASX 200 is up 26 points materials are leading the way financials energy staples utilities all in the green Technology is the big laggard with healthcare and consumer discretionaries just following behind there. And that's about that. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. See you. Bye.